Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the 16th episode of Riverdale Season 6, Blue Collar. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, who would probably start an absinthe business with me if I asked her, given all that she's done against her will for this podcast, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing this evening? I am doing great. I would absolutely not start an absinthe business under pretty much any circumstances. Uh, Darn. So my deep apologies uh, to you on that one, Mary. There goes that plan for my rest of my livelihood. You didn't like my get-rich-quick scheme? Um, I don't think that we would get rich quick or at all (laughs) i don't know agent drake seemed to think it was a good idea who's agent drake like (laughs) i'm sorry so she just is a master of everything she knows everything she used to be a part of the what is it atf and uh, on that beat, and then she switched over to the illegal absinthe beat, and then now she covers the s- supernatural par- paranormal activity stuff for the FBI. Totally a real job. Totally not. Yeah, made up. she definitely just knows everything. She's definitely evil, also, right? I feel like there were at least like um, three people in this episode that I was like, oh, they're definitely evil. They're gonna be I evil. I feel like you think everybody is evil. She's gonna be evil. Heather's gonna be evil. Anybody that we're introduced to new is either gonna die or be evil. It's one or the other. Okay. Okay, we thought that Geraldo might stick around for a little while. True, he wasn't evil, but he did die fast. Is that the same? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I don't think any of the new characters we've been introduced to are going to become, like, staples of the show. I think they're either going to become bad guys or they're going to die. And those I are really mean, the only options. Or they'll just, like, move away. I guess. You could you could pull a moose, move away for a while, come back every few seasons well, for a little while. Well, that won't be happening because the show is finally ending because You're right. there might be a god, in fact. You're right. You're right. Um... This show was not nice to me this episode, though, because, boy, did it feel like shoving in 18 different plots, and I kind of got tired of separating them, so some of these won't make any sense in how I grouped them, but this well, is, it's not is what is it is. it's not you that is things not making sense on this show. Right, right. Um, big picture, uh, did you hate this episode? <laughs> Yeah. I'm not even going to ask if you liked them anymore. Yeah, I did. Um, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was okay. I hated it. I watched this episode. I watched Riverdale on Monday mornings. We're now recording on Thursday evening. So I'd be lying if I told you I like super remembered it, but I don't remember liking it. So yeah. When's the last episode you've actually liked? Um, Or like not hated? Hmm. Okay. I I liked the last (laughs) two weeks. I feel like this week was a little bit more of a letdown for me just because I felt like they kind of had some cool things happening last episode and they kind of just like fizzled on this one, but it's fine. We'll uh, we'll get to it. I'm but- like deeply annoyed with this just recurring scheme of Jughead is the only one not actually exploring his powers unless somebody else does. It's like deeply, deeply annoying to me. What do you mean unless someone else does? Like unless someone else tells him? Well, like people ask him. They're like, hey, can you do this? And he's like, oh, let me find out. And then it's like, oh, I guess I can. Whereas he, like, he's never exploring it unless someone else asks him to, which I find deeply annoying. Yeah, I think the issue with this one is the pacing of the buildup. Because like, so the closest example I have to this is in season four. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. the one with the preppies, where we knew at the beginning of the season that Jughead was going to, like, quote-unquote, die. We knew that was going to happen. And then we go back in time a little bit, and then the rest of the season is, like, where we're waiting. Is he going to die? What's going to happen? And I felt like that one was paced pretty well, because they they introduced you to the preppies, they made you hate them, and then on, I don't know what it was, but let's just say it was, like, episode 13 of the season, they kill him. And you're like, wow, it, we didn't have to wait till the end. And then the next six episodes, were about like the aftermath of that and so I felt like the pacing of that like worked because this is so funny because if you go back to our season four podcast you were so negative about the season and I really liked the season and now you're sitting here defending it no I just no like to say, I'm saying Mary is either a hypocrite or is unwell <laughs> I, okay first off I liked season four I did not like the ending of season four at all I felt like the last two episodes were huge letdowns and everyone was out of character and I was like is this a thing are we just like all of a sudden we want to murder a principal for no reason like that I didn't like that and I didn't like the pacing of other parts of the show like I didn't like the pacing of the like jelly bean filming everybody thing because it that was really slow but the all the preppy stuff with Jughead and um that school like I, I liked a lot of that I don't like how this one I don't know how many episodes it was ago like four episodes ago we hear from Tabitha whenever she learns she can time travel she's like mm-hmm. okay there's going to be the end of the world we're gonna have a fight with Pickens and like Jughead's gonna die or whatever and then since then I I think you would expect that everyone would be like okay we got to make a plan. We got to like do this. And instead, everyone's like doing other stuff. Veronica's like making rum. Jughead's like, oh, let's uh, let's do this. Well, I guess Veronica asked Jughead to do this like act thing. Like Archie's over here trying to like fight a union war. It's like y'all need to be like telling everyone the end of the world's going to happen, getting together, trying to learn how to use your powers in a way that will help you. Like, I just feel like they're not organized at I, all. Well, I mean, they've never been organized, first of all. But also like, I think that you are operating under the assumption of like, oh, Tabitha said the end of the world is coming so it's like imminent but like we haven't actually had any indication that the end of the world is imminent just that it will come at some point yeah but i guess they just keep talking about like this big battle that's gonna happen at pops i would also fully believe if we get to the end of the season and we find out that actually everything has played out several times and we're just seeing after tabitha goes back in time to fix stuff to get them on the ideal path maybe i mean that's an idea i don't know i don't know if they're that smart it's unclear when Tabitha said she had, like, gone through a thousand scenarios or whatever, whether or not that she, like, literally lived through the life up until that point or she just kept going right to that point and, like, just do, doing the battle over and over. But I don't know. I mean, no it's idea. like it seems like we've made progress now with, like, Veronica's power, which actually seems to be a lot more... Well, it's weird what happens when you actually do research into your power and what it is capable of and, like, figure it out. Right, but I I feel like that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying about it being frustrating that like Jughead's power is pretty powerful, but we're only finding out about it through you know, um, like when other people tell him like to to try something, and then he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, maybe I can. Um, and then like Betty's power is the absolute worst. It, we've gotten to the point where she doesn't even know like what the auras mean, whether they mean they're a threat to her, a threat to someone. And then there's times, like in this episode, where why wasn't she seeing an aura around Alice? Like, there, there's stuff like that that just doesn't well, make I sense. Think, well, that's the thing, too, where it's like it, it feels weird that Betty wouldn't have figured all of this out, which is what makes me think that 
probably actually everything's happened like 14 times and we're just or however many times we're just seeing like the result after Tabitha's been going on and I think that's why she's been so absent that's possible yeah absent not absinth ayo Okay, so let's um let's let's get to the Jughead voiceover. <clears throat> okay. A war has been brewing in Riverdale between Percival Pickens and Archie Andrews, a conflict between good and evil, or in this incarnation, between those who work and those who exploit workers. Which like, yeah, is is kind of what's happening in this episode, but I feel like this was a little bit of a heel turn. Like I don't I feel like the whole like Pickens is actually really super cruel to his workers, like that kind of came out of nowhere. Oh, no, it makes total sense because he was being the capitalist and that this is what capitalists do. It makes sense. I'm not saying it doesn't like fit with his character. I'm saying I feel like what we had seen before this didn't seem like he was like, oh, the scum of the earth or the blue collar. Like, whereas I mean, that's it makes really... sense with how we felt about the homeless people. Fair. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. So... Anyway, uh, so the main plot line here, I've kind of lumped two together because they're mostly related. Uh, so this is the Pickens Express po- plot line about the railroad Not workers. Pickens Express. I had nothing else. I, w- I wrote the SS Pickens and then I was like, no, I think that's boats. <laughs> I need to change it. I do believe that that is boats. <laughs> yeah, so I changed it to the Pickens Express. I don't know what it would be if it was an airplane. like the. Um, mm, I have not a clue. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the Pickens Express, which also is going to include the Cheryl plot line because they were kind of related. So Pickens is deducting the price of the tools and also equipment from his workers' pay because from the last episode, everybody who had joined Archie's team to like move pops or rebuild pops or whatever uh, switched over to Pickens' side uh, mostly because he just offered them more money. And I'm like, Pickens, if you have the ability like mind control, why not do that? But I guess he was just proving like that he didn't need to. Um, And he mostly got people to work for him by being like, we're going to give overtime and double the pay and everything. And now that he has everyone, it's like turns out he's not doing any of that. Um, I guess Archie doesn't have other work to give these people because I feel like it would be really easy to just go up to them and be like, I'll just pay you what we had agreed upon and union union fees or whatever. Well, I think it is that like uh, the moving pops was like the only job Archie's had in, for some time. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, IDK. I don't know what they're supposed to do. They've been out of work for so long. Uh, they're now being like totally exploited. And he gave them all like a cash um, signing bonus. And I have to imagine they signed some kind of agreement that's like, oh, if you quit, you don't get your signing bonus and then they all have already spent it like fang spent the whole thing on a car down payment like they now probably are just like fully financially dependent on this job even though it's horrible and that would make more sense given the rest of this plot because they never really come back to the idea of quitting so it seems yeah seems like they can't so in the fake pops building that is now it looks so much bigger like this is more tables than pops had before right it feels like it well so pops was kind of a weird layout because like half the time they would shoot it it would look like there was only like two rows of booths but there's actually three rows of booths it was just you would never see that third row unless they did specific angles it so feels like there's more it, it feels big especially because the ceiling's so much higher so pop uh archie tabitha 
and Cheryl discuss from the previous episode, like, the fact that they had heard Heather mention a ghost train that was something. Still kind of unclear what it is, but basically it would grant uh, Pickens dominion over the souls of the living and the dead. Um, Because he's so uh, anti-union, he's that way because he doesn't want people united, because if they're united, they'll be harder for him to control. So Archie's like, great, my plan for the episode is going to be convincing all of the railroad workers how awesome unions are and how Pickens' values are so different from theirs so that they will unionize and strike because they can't quit, but which will at least hold off on the building of the railroad. Because I think they need to hold off on the ghost train thing until a- like after they have a fight. Well, so I think the thing, the concept is that if he gets the ghost train, he'll be too powerful and they will never be able to beat him. And so they also don't want the workers to quit because then Percival will just hire new workers and it will get done. And so striking allows them to put the job on hold. Is the Although ghost train I don't a real thing? Would, I don't know. Like, is that a thing in lore? Or did Riverdale make this up? Well, there's a ghost train in Stanley Park in Vancouver for Halloween. Yeah. And I know that, like, a ghost train is, like, a type of amusement park ride Oh, it's and a stuff. movie from 1941. Oh. So, on Wikipedia, in ghost lore, a ghost train is a phantom vehicle in the form of a locomotive or train. The ghost train differs from traditional forms of hauntings because rather than being a static location, the entire train is an apparition. So, this is obviously not the same uh, as what the ghost train is in this i assume it's some sort of train that can bring like demons yeah i assume it's like between hell and earth yeah that would make sense um also in this episode they implied that they're also building a railroad not just like a railroad station which i thought was what was happening i mean i guess that makes sense with the fact that they have to build a new train station and it's not like where we know the train tracks to be none of this makes any sense like they already had a train betty took the train to stonewall prep You've brought that up like three times. Yeah, because it's important. They already have a train. Yeah. And we know. The train is mentioned a lot more in Riverdale fan fiction, which, by the way, I have not read Riverdale fan fiction in like two years because I've been solely reading Twilight fan fiction. Um, I thought you were going to say because you have too much, you're too busy to read fan fiction. But no, instead you've chosen a different way to waste your time. But I, hey, hey, you read. It's not wasting your time. Also, I feel really justified because I just realized that the last like three fan fictions I've read eventually got turned into published books. So I feel like I've been reading actual books because they were basically 0.0% at all like Twilight. Like nothing about them. They didn't even try to make the characters look like the characters. I mean... They were just books. They were just books with some of the similar names, but they weren't even trying to be clever about it. It was. It wasn't like a. Like, oh, let they... me like make the like like let's make the the bully in school like let's use one of the villains' names. Nope, they just didn't do that. But <laughs> so. so did they have to change the names when they got published? Yeah, they changed the names when they got published. But it's kind of funny because like the main characters in the fan fiction like had nicknames, so they got to keep the nicknames. And like most of the book is, is just about their nicknames. It was actually I thought it was like pretty good, pretty darn good. I mean, it was like. Like, definitely one of those books where you're, like, you kind of hate the characters, Mm. but... So, what was it about? Um, it was about 
kids growing up. Honestly, that was pretty much what it was about. It was about kids like growing up. And normally I don't like it when it's like they're set in like, like they, the first, the prologue, they're like 17. And then you go to the first chapter and they're like nine years old. And you're like, whoa, I don't know how I feel about this. But it was surprisingly like very well written and interesting. And um, if you're interested in reading it, you can actually, you can get the book. I think that the first book of the, I think it's just a two book series, but the first book is called Dusty Innocence. The fan fiction is called Dusty. So you could also just read the fan fiction if you want to do that. But uh, yeah, it was pretty good. And this was my, uh, this was my Twilight fan fiction It's been a minute corner. since we talked fan fiction. Um, yeah, been a minute. Um, the, the only reason I even thought about uh, Riverdale fan fiction was because one of the ones I read several years ago that has just been unfinished, uh, they wrote a final chapter of, and and I just saw that pop up today, so I guess I need to go read that. Wow, itself. they finished we'll it. See. I, I don't understand how you can read works in progress. I they That makes me just crazy. I usually only read works in progress if they've already progressed a lot and are have been updated recently. Usually I read non-works in progress. Yeah, I just can't do it. Anyway, so Archie is like, hey, Cheryl, uh, can you go to the Blossom archives and try to find some damning evidence against Percival because the Pickens and the Blossoms used to be families? And I guess when he means like damning evidence, he means like something that's going to make people not want to work with him. Which I just think is so wild that it's like, okay, cool. We'll get dirt on his like great grandfather and that is going to change people's hearts and minds about what's going on on today like most people in most places aren't entirely judged by what their ancestors have done no although uh cheryl was judging archie and betty and them for something that her ancestors their ancestors did so yeah but then she got over it yeah when that same ancestor tried to possess her yeah then she was like maybe they had a point when they burned abigail at the stake yeah so archie and tabitha give out free coffee coffee um, and they're advertising a new 25-cent burger special to the railroad crew. That's the price of the burgers were when the unions first came to Riverdale. Yeah. And uh, Kevin and Frank are not pleased. I think it's so weird that they decided to make Frank one of the bad guys, but whatever. I mean, no, Frank is a bad guy. He's mind-controlled. What I really love is that, like, Percival can't even pretend to do anything nice. Like, making them pay for their coffee is, like... Just insult to injury. I mean, I've never worked on, like, a construction crew, but I, I assume they don't normally pay for their coffee. No, there's there would be, like, a coffee maker, and, like, maybe you would put in, like, a certain amount per month to pay for, like, coffee for everyone, but it wouldn't be a lot, and you would just, like, have access to, like, the as much yeah. coffee as you want. To be fair, I've never worked a blue-collar job, but every job I have worked has had free coffee, so. Like, most jobs or, like, free tea free- or whatever. Like, most jobs will have something. And, like, especially construction, you work so early in the morning. Like, I feel like everyone having their coffee is, like, part of the ritual. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm sure that Pickens could have found some kind of violation with Pops being moved into a boxing gym. Like, hey, this place is not up to code to serve burgers. Or they definitely not. Or it's against bylaw for there to be an eatery here. Right. But, I don't know. I guess they're just not going to question that because plot... So at Pops, Archie talks to Carlos and Fangs, Carlos, uh, guest star who gets one line, um, about unionizing. And they're like, yeah, maybe that would be cool. But like, he'll probably never go for it. And then Archie's like, yeah, but you might as well try. Yeah, but the thing is, is like when you're unionizing, it's not really like, oh, they, they, like, you can all like do all the paperwork, fill in all the forms and then like kind of force their hand. I was going to say, I didn't think you 
needed permission to unionize. I didn't think that was well, how it worked. Well, a lot of work, like, the thing is, is it's, like, especially in the States and stuff, like, it's pretty illegal to, like, knowingly union bus. Like, a lot of companies do it, but, like... If you, if you know that there's union action possibly happening, I think you're, like, not allowed to fire anyone during that time and, like, stuff like that. You know, but, I, I mean, s- of course, Percival's not going to follow the law. Like, eventually they would have to come to, like, a collective bargaining agreement if they do unionize and that the employer needs to agree on. But I'm pretty sure you can just force their hand if, if enough of the workforce is united. So I say I never worked a blue-collar job, and I'm not actually sure if that's true. Um, let me look up real quick. The definition of blue collar. Worker is a working class person who performs manual labor. Hmm. I don't know. D- does working at like a store count? I don't know what category um, that's in. I think in. probably. I also don't know. Like I was working the morning shift and it was all manual labor. Like we're moving things off the truck, putting things in the aisles. Yeah, I, would, I would say that counts. I also don't know if we actually say blue collar anymore. We did on that one season of Survivor. Well, yeah, but I feel like it's just... um. It's a weird way to separate the labor force um, to prevent solidarity of the working class. Especially because I feel like a lot of people say like, oh, if you're not blue collar, you're white collar. And like, that's not also the case. Like, It's just dividing the working class so that we do not rise up uh, and eat lunch. Yeah. But what I was going to say was I did work at a place of business once. And I'm not going to say the place of business because I, I like them as a corporation. But... Uh, when you when you get onboarded there, you go through a whole process of watching all these videos that are all about like, you don't want to join a union. Definitely don't do that. Like we will give you everything. You, you don't need unions. We hate unions. I'm going to tell you right now, Mary, if you like that company as a corporation, you shouldn't. No, I mean, they. I <laughs> I uh, I shop there often still. And I and I, I was treated very well there. I think their whole pitch was like, we will treat you just as good. And if you need anything where you feel like you need to unionize, just come to us and we'll give it to you. But like, just don't don't join a union. <laughs> It's so funny. You had to watch a video about it. Anyway. I mean, okay. lots of companies do that. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. So um, Cheryl and Heather discover that years ago, Pickens' ancestors stole a powerful magical book from a Blossom ancestor. And oh. Heather's like, uh, let me teach you how to be invisible. And she's like, you know what invisibility is? And shout out to Madeleine Pesh for clearly just like throwing it. I swear the show must have been like, hey, you're a big Harry Potter fan, right? Like, you want to you want to do that? You want to talk about Wizards of Waverly Place? Because I just definitely feel like that was, like, her saying this. Um, but I anyway. Mean, I don't think that they give the actors that much. I don't know. It just felt like they don't normally on these shows, unless there's a product placement, they don't normally mention brands in that way. I guarantee unless they like just, like, firmly Googled, <laughs> like, invisibility, and we're like, oh, the first I two guess. things that come up are Harry Potter and Wizards of Waverly Place. But the weird thing was that they kept saying unseeable. And I'm like, just say invisible. No, no it's unseeable. It's not invisible. I don't know the difference, um, but apparently it is important. Also, this version of invisibility sucks. You have to hold your breath the whole time. Ugh, the worst. Yeah, and so what was wild to me, I guess, like, Cheryl couldn't just go in and see Percival herself, but, like, I feel like she could have. I feel like she could have gone into the shop and been like, hey, Percival, our families have been in an alliance for generations, and I think that we should talk about how we can work together to move forward, while um, Heather goes in the invisible and gets the book, since she knows what the book looks like and what the book is called, rather than this absolutely stupid ruse. Maybe, but maybe 
also the point was that because I think Heather was like, oh, this will be a great opportunity to like teach you a new spell. Yeah, but she still could have taught her and then been like, now I'm going to do it because I have more experience, probably nah. greater lung capacity and you have more of a reason to go talk to Percival. Got to build the tension. So anyway, um, she goes and she gets the book. There was like a slight close call, but it wasn't even really that close. She just made a sound. Pickens went back to look at it. Uh, she, she dropped the book on the ground. Yeah. And then there is some kind of a weird moment where Heather and Cheryl come back and Heather clearly just wants to like read the magic book. But instead, Cheryl's like, yeah, let's let's continue doing that thing Archie told us to do and look for some Pickens information. I mean, I don't. I think that obviously she probably did want to read the book, but I didn't see it as, like, that weird. I was just like, oh, they don't have good chemistry, but we're supposed to believe that they do. Like, they just don't have chemistry. They don't have chemistry, and I feel like all we've done is talk about, like, them as witches. We went from zero to their witches really fast without, like, any bonding over, like their lives or i mean like let's think about it if you were like very close friends with someone in the fourth grade and then you never saw them again and then they came back into your life when you're like 25 you probably aren't gonna be like oh yeah let's hang out all the time even if you had like been in love with them in the fourth grade because you've lived your life yeah i agree apart but i feel like i feel like you would have like spent a little bit of time like getting to know each other and it just seems like they pretty immediately were like so you're a witch right yeah you're totally a witch too while they were preparing a library. Yeah, whatever. So Pickens asks Archie to join his railroad team. I don't know what the this point was about, but Archie says no. Yeah, I don't really understand what he thought was going to happen. Like, Archie was, like, definitely never going to join. Yeah, it was just kind of a weird moment. Um, and then Heather and Cheryl find the, um, find the... They find, like, letters. Yeah, some kind of, like, documents or whatever. Um, They're, like, letters it's... between Pickens' um, ancestor and Cheryl's ancestor. Yeah, and it's, like, pretty damning. It's a bunch of Pickens being, like, workers, right? Yeah, they're the worst. It's like, oh, the mine workers want to unionize? Well, we should literally destroy their lives. I don't care if they get injured or die. Like, we have to show them that we are in control and they are worth nothing. Yeah, and Pickens is, like, kind of doing similar stuff right now. Like, he's definitely using mind control to, like, injure people. Like, someone, like, lost a foot, and then he tells Archie, like, yeah, and if you don't back off with your whole, like, trying to get them to unionize thing, then, like, more people have accidents. I mean, I think that he mind-controlled the guy to cut off his own foot. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he, he definitely did that, but he's, like, threatening Archie, saying, like, if you don't, like, stop interfering, more people are going to lose their limbs or lives. And yeah. so it's just, yeah, just threatening Archie. Um, kind, I, I like that at least Archie doesn't, like, back down. Like, I feel like in most shows, that person would be like, okay, well, I guess I, I guess I need to, like, it's all my fault they died. I mean, but I also feel like it just goes to show how Archie thinks that he is, like, king of everything now that he's invulnerable. He would have never like continued to push on this before and it's it's weird that he's like so foolhardy to push forward and not care about other people getting hurt normally archie wouldn't want even one person to get hurt right well i think it's that like whole greater good thing right it's like well we know that there's a big battle coming and if we let him build the ghost train then bad things are gonna happen so yeah but that's not archie that's practical archie's never been practical yeah, I don't know. Maybe in his old age. He's like 24. <laughs> so, um, 
Let's see. Tabitha's going to read out the letter from Pickens' great-grandfather about how he doesn't care about the workers in the mines to all the workers. And they're all like, well, this sucks. Let's form a union. And then um, Archie is going to tell Pickens that his crew is on strike. And Pickens like, you haven't seen any fighting yet. And they have like a weird stare down. And Moose is there. I'm like, Moose, whose side are you on? Why are you Yeah, I don't really know why Moose. I guess because Moose like and Kevin kind of hang out. Yeah, but I don't know. It doesn't even seem like Moose is like fully on board with what Kevin's doing. No, he's not even a little on board with it. So I'm like, oh, did we miss like a mind control segment? I don't know. He was just there. I guess they just wanted three people to frame Pickens. Um, And then Cheryl admits to Heather that the library situation was just pretense to spend more time with her. And Heather's like, me too. And then I guess they hang out. They still have no chemistry. I'm sorry. They have no chemistry at all. It just doesn't work. I'm sure that like... She's a lovely woman, but it's just not giving. Heather's dress was a little better in this episode, but her hair and glasses, and I just, I can't figure it out, but it's something about the way she talks. Like, she moves her mouth weird when she talks, and I don't, I don't know how to, like, I think that this is a choice she's making. I don't think that this is, like, how the actress probably normally talks. I, 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 it's very I are you telling me she was wearing a different piece of clothing than last week? <laughs> it looked, I mean, it was similar, but I, I, mm. I think the main thing is just just that they do such extreme close-ups on her every time she talks. I'm like, why are we in your mouth when you're when we're doing I certainly this? do not ever want to be inside her mouth. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, let's let's move on to some of the really quick little short uh plots because that was the main one. Let's talk about the Green Fairy. So Betty and Agent Drake are questioning Veronica about her powers. And she's like, oh, well, it happened shortly after Hiram died, which was literally not important at all. It was just a segue for (laughs) Agent Drake to be like, ah, yes, here's my career history and also something, something about absinthe, to which Veronica's like, hmm, we'll pocket that and come back to that later. Yeah, it was literally just for her to be like, oh, wait, your name is Veronica Lodge, like Lodge Rum. Yeah, and I think this is the second time we've had a person be like, oh, the rum maker? When we didn't even find out about the rum thing until, like, season four. We had heard it in passing in season two. Rum Wars. Remember those? Those were fun. I, I, what I don't remember is whatever little song you're singing. <laughs> oh, that would take way too long to explain. Somebody might get that. <laughs> Matt Ligori, if he was listening to this, he would, but it's fine. It was a Boston Rob thing. It's okay. So, oh, uh, anyway, this was just like a plot that was just like convenient upon convenience because they're going to make a, a comment about how Veronica's body is like a giant biodialysis machine. Remember? Moving the toxins from but her like, and they were like that'll come back later wouldn't we have noticed that when she actually went on real dialysis that like i, <laughs> I, I just know. i just feel like the math is not mathing well cur- well okay first off veronica has been to exactly two professionals for information one was the guy who works at the morgue and the second one is agent drake neither of them i believe are like medical people who should be giving her advice but Dr. Curdle was like, your body is full of poison. You should be dead. You might want to go on dialysis to get rid of it. But I guess he didn't, like, analyze her body. Yeah, whereas, I mean, like, he's Agent- actually a medical doctor. Well, that's true. But 
I, for for the non-living, for the most part, I would assume. Well, yeah, but, like, he still has to know how every system works in order to do an autopsy. So, I like, guess, yeah. I, I feel like he would at least be able to understand and, like, legally give medical advice. Agent Drake is just, like, a woman. <laughs> like, the, the, just, just a woman. I feel like what Dr. Curdle did was, like, okay, you have some toxin in your body that should be killing you. So I'm assuming all the toxin is, like, poisoning you. When it's not. When it, where is Agent Drake, I guess, I guess Veronica got some kind of physical at some point because Agent Drake is reading over it being like, oh, you're actually like super healthy. Like the inside of your body is super healthy. The poison is somehow like removing the toxins from your body. It just poisons everyone else. It doesn't make any sense. It's fine. Well, uh, I'm just saying know. her power at least is getting cooler, but whatever. So uh, Veronica talks with Agent Drake about like changing her rum business into an absinthe business and she's going to somehow make some kind of new kind of absinthe that's still made with wormwood but it's like distilled down to where it isn't poisonous i'm confused of how this is not just the like diluted version that well, like, i i think that the diluted absinthe that's not illegal doesn't actually have wormwood in it oh it's just some sort like, of like it's not liqueur. actually absinthe they just call it absinthe yeah just some kind of green green drink i think i i don't know for sure because i have never been around absinthe i've had the the fake kind like the legal kind never had illegal absinthe yeah, i've never had any of it i don't have a desire to put poison in my body i gotta uh, well i've got some bad news about you know alcohol. i was i was just gonna say except <laughs> for alcohol but like it's fine it's fine i had half a beer tonight and i was like i don't need this and then i gave it to my sister's boyfriend wow look at you i know it's fine it was a big it was a big beer so i didn't need the whole thing um anyway so uh veronica borrows a book on wormwood and a book on distilling absinthe both of which cheryl cheryl has oh sorry no she borrows wormwood not a book on wormwood and um cheryl is like really annoyed with veronica about this i guess because she was like hanging out with heather but i kind of liked how like she was fun and helpful the last couple episodes and now she's yeah she she really um came back to to, like only caring about her own problems and not really being so worried about everything else. Yeah, like even the ghost train stuff in the beginning, she was like, oh, Riverdale's needs to be saved again? Mm, okay, can I leave now? And I'm like, wait a second. I thought you were like kind of in on helping everyone. But I guess that's what happens when she's got a new lady at home to hang out with. It's basically how she's been for the last like, Yeah, she gets in a relationship and yep. it's like, okay. You never see her again. Um, and, uh, and then I guess Veronica tries to leech the poison out of Wormwood by, like, holding it. I don't really, I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand what that was about. Uh, what do we hate more? Veronica doing casino businesses or Veronica making alcohol? They're the same. (laughs) They're, they're the same. Yeah. I like the casino set, at least. That's kind of fun, but. Yeah, the casino's beautiful, but. Big, 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 big bonus points to the alcohol is Veronica doesn't tend to sing a musical number in a really ugly um, unitard. Uh, I'm sure she's, she's done alcohol. that at least once. I'm pretty sure they did that when they were trying to like, there was something to do with like the rum business and like flirting with Hermosa that one time. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it seems like at the casino she does it every night. Yeah. And to be fair, that was at Le Bon Nuit, which was not a casino, but it was a nightclub. It was um, her place to perform karaoke. Yeah. All right. Shall we talk about paternity wars? 
that didn't fit with the jingle as much. Um, so Kevin is living in, I don't know, the casino? Yeah. Some other place that looks dark and kind of like the casino? It's some very gaudy suite that I guess we're supposed to be impressed by because it's obviously worth a lot of money. Do you think he's just, like, living with Percival in the champagne suite? I don't Or maybe this is another champagne suite? Like, I don't really know what this is. There's all these, like, dark rooms that I can't tell. Like, I honestly don't know what Veronica's, like, house, whatever that place is called, is anymore because I feel like sometimes she's just at the casino. It's hard for me to differentiate. I don't know. But... Uh, whatever. Uh, Percival is paying for it, so Kevin's gonna be in more debt. Great. Uh, but he needs it to establish permanent residence to help get baby Anthony. And Moose is like, why are you doing this? Why is this your plan? Like, why are like, you getting rid of all your friends? Like, why are you suing for right now? Yeah, like, what is, what is happening? And, uh, Fangs and Tony talk with another social worker, and they're like, well, you guys have uh, been arrested many times, and Kevin's going to use that against you. He also wants to get a paternity test for baby Anthony. Now, I don't know what legal rights does he have to get the paternity test. Like, does well, he have any? I assume he does, because the original intention was that Kevin was going to help raise the baby, and I think they just, like, mixed it all together so that they wouldn't know which one would fertilize an egg. So, like, it's conceivable that he might be the biological father and that would, like, extremely strengthen his case. And so I do think that he has a right to request it or at least apply to the court to get one done. Does he have any case if he's not the biological father? Um, I'm obviously not a lawyer. I cannot provide legal advice. But I I mean, I don't think it's impossible since he was always intended to be a father to this child that he could have some sort of right to it. I guess it really depends, like, who's on the birth certificate maybe they all three are but well, I, I don't even know if it matters on that because like say you had like a one night stand with someone and you got pregnant and had a baby and did not have a father's name on the birth certificate that father still would have parental rights um, I understand even though that. they're not on it so I think that with this it's more complicated because it goes into like whatever agreement was made when they all decided to have a baby together as a trio and maybe he would have rights maybe he would i would love it if an actual lawyer could give us some feedback on yeah. this but i'm pretty and- sure he would have at least a little bit of a leg to stand on but i'm assuming that if he is not the biological father it would be a lot harder for him to win the case yeah, I guess I'm just saying, like, if he's, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that biological parents should have the rights to look after their child if they're unfit parents. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, if both Fangs and Tony are the biological parents here in this particular battle, yeah, it's, yeah, it seems like it's going to be a lot more in their favor. But anyway, we don't well, know. And it's also, like, just in the U.S., like, system, I feel like there is a big preference for biological parents. Yeah, I'm really not sure. And I don't know how this would work if, like, let's say this was the exact same scenario except for the baby was adopted by the three of them or something. Although I don't really know. I, yeah, I'm not that's sure. That's, that's That specific scenario is why I think that Kevin would still have a case. But right. I just don't know the strength of that case. Yeah, I'm not sure. Seems complicated, obviously. So, anyway... um, Fangs and Tony are talking with a social worker and uh, they're still kind of up in the air about like, are the serpents going to be a biker gang? Are they going to be a political activist group? Because Fangs is not really on board with this. This is again, just like another one of these. Why are we still talking about this? I thought you guys should have decided this like episode. Well, yeah. And then they're like, well, if it's going to change to be an activist group, that should happen like now because we're trying to get you to keep your baby. And Fangs is still like, 
Man, want my child raised a serpent. <sighs> I don't know. Like, wouldn't you rather be the one to raise your child than not? Like, Yeah. And I think that's like Tony's argument. She's like, our number one and only priority should be having custody of this child and doing what's best for him. But anyway, so they discuss the marriage idea again. And Fangs is like, I want to do it for the right reasons. And she's like, what about our child? Isn't that the right reasons? And then, um, oh, I just put in here, it's interesting that Fangs and Kevin are both working on the railroad situation while they're, like, in these fights, but then they kind of, that kind of makes sense in just a second because they're going to get in a fight at the railroad about this because Kevin's, like, showing pictures of the baby being like, yeah, he gets that after his father. I'm his father. And I think that Fangs And Fangs is like, no, like, get out of here. And he was totally just doing it to goad Fangs into a fight. And it worked. For sure. Yep, it worked. And, of course, Tony's not happy about this. And she's like, Mm -hmm. you got to put your pride aside and your ego and concentrate on baby Anthony. And um, Moose is still like, why are you doing this? Because, like, this seems like a bad idea. And you're losing all your friendships like for no reason is it because you're afraid you're not the father and then uh Britta babysits and uh, I don't know where the miscommunication came in for Britta but Kevin what seems like they didn't tell Britta anything it seems like they didn't tell Britta about the custody dispute or any sort of issue so Kevin just came by and was like yeah I stopped by on Saturday nights a totally normal time to visit an infant child I just feel like Tony who knows that Kevin is, like, trying to, would be like, hey, Britta, don't let anyone in. Like, You'd anyone. think. You would think. <sighs> Whatever. Not babysitter of the year. So, Tony- It's also possible that Percival was with him and, like, mind-controlled That's possible. Her. And mind-controlled. Yeah, totally possible. So, um, Tony punches Kevin in the face and takes pacifier back. Although, I think probably that would be a reason why Percival's not there, because if he was there, he probably would have just taken the pacifier to begin with. Um, but Kevin has yeah. it. Well, so, it could be that he yeah. wanted Kevin to have hit, like, the all of the like blood on his hands so he probably yeah. was like you'll take it tomorrow to this dna lab and blah 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 that, that makes sense but i have no idea i yeah. i feel like they would have shown us that if that was what it was i'm just like desperately grasping for logic here yeah so tony punches kevin in the face takes the pacifier back and tells fangs that they're not rebranding the serpents in which uh he's like awesome i agree to marry you now and then she says that we're going to induct baby Anthony into the serpents right away and you can give him his serpent name. Yeah, I don't know what this means. So is that like... Does, don't you have to like babysit the dog and like fight the snake and like... <laughs> I guess not if you're born into it. But like... But I Jughead guess, had to do it, didn't he? Yeah. But maybe that's because he was like older. Maybe it's like baptism, you know? Like if you're baptized ass- as a baby, you just go up with your parents and they dump a little water on your head and they like say a little thing. Sorry, I'm sorry. This is like not what bab- how baptism works, but like from my outside perspective whereas if you're older you have to like i think like take sort of like a class and then you have to like do the whole it deeply depends on which religion you're in yeah i don't know but i I do think that if you get if you're older and you're like choosing to do it i think you have to kind of go through like a bigger process than if you're a baby it's like getting your ears pierced it's not but it's kind of like if you just get them pierced when you're a baby it's like you didn't have to do anything for that whereas when you get older you gotta like you know go and you gotta pay for it and yeah yeah baptism is exactly (laughs) like getting your ears pierced i agree Um, same thing by the way 
Everything in this whole plot line, I just want to say this here now. Nothing that I'm saying, this all just comes from a place of ignorance. If you're listening to this and you're like, Mary, there are so many cases where, like, you know, similar to these or, like, where people, you know, get custody of a child who are not the biological parents. Like, yes, I understand that. But I'm trying to figure out what the scenario is in this stupid TV show. Listen, we're sitting here going on vibes, okay? That's all we've got. That's all we've got. So, like, do not take any of what I'm saying for any kind of fact or for how I believe anything works in the real world because it's not true. Because she doesn't know, okay? She doesn't know know. how it works. Baptism and getting your ears pierced are the same thing and getting inducted to biker games. Honestly, for many people, they probably are very similar. Yeah. So I think this is, um, this is cool. Right. Good job. So, uh, (sighs) yeah. And then Pickens, Pickens, um, Pickens tells Kevin that he's not the biological father and he's like, baby Anthony represents the future of the town and so do I and there can only be one. Okay, here's a question. Is he lying to Kevin about not being the father to make Kevin mad so that Kevin will kill his son? Mary... That's what the, that's the I vibe I got. I have no freaking he's, idea. He's either lying to Kevin or it's true that Kevin's not the father. Either way, Pickens is like, hey, you know that like kid that you've been like trying to like protect for episodes now? Yeah. yeah it's we're time gonna need for the him kid to, to die. We're going to need him to go. Yeah. yeah. We're going to throw him into a fire like those other two kids. Hey, maybe he'll bounce. Do you think that's how they develop the serial killer gene? By bouncing in the fire? Just once. I want to know. I want someone, just like someone, like a writer from the show, like you can make it up. Just tweet. Just tweet out what the heck was going on there. They don't know, Mary. They (laughs) didn't know then and they don't know now and they will never know. Ever. And neither will we. And neither will we. Nobody will ever know. All right, we're almost done. We're not. We have three more. Are we? Oh, my God. There's okay. three more. Stop it. Absolutely we're, we're not. We're going to go through these speedy quick. Speed okay. Speed round. Speed round. Listen, I'm going to go through this next <laughs> one by myself in two seconds, okay? Do it. This is do how it. we're going to do it, okay? Uh, so it turns out Charles in prison is sick with some sort of, like, leukemia, autoimmune issue. We don't know. But the jail was like, we don't have room. We'll send him home with no guard. He's just going to be in Betty's childhood bedroom dying. And Alice is like, we're taking care of him. Alice, like, it, it's not good. Betty goes to Charles and is like, how's Jake? Did you get married? No. They were sent to separate cell blocks after they broke out of prison and tried to kill people. It's wild how that works out. And it's, like, a lot of Charles, like, and Betty going back and forth about, like, how did you know you were a serial killer? Like, what was the moment that it, like, turned around? And we find out that Charles killed a possum. And now he always wonders, what if I hadn't killed this possum? Would I not be a serial killer? Yeah, okay, Charles. Is he a serial killer? I'm sorry. I don't actually know. I truly. in his adult life, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he was shooting unsubs in the FBI left, right, and center, um, like, hot and criminal minds. Um, so Betty unsubs? still leaves and is staying at Archie's house. And she's like, I think that Charles is actually dying because he's evil. And the evil is a poison and it is growing within him. But then she looks out her window and sees that Alice is straight up murking Charles with a pillow. And it's like, oh, but for what? Why did Alice say that they had to be kind to Charles in his last days? Why didn't she just kill him before letting Betty talk to him? What was the reason? What what was the reason? Betty stops Alice from doing the murder and is like, there's been enough murder in this house. 
Um, and she comes up with an idea. A light bulb goes above her head. She goes to Veronica, and I guess Veronica really can just, like, hold something and pull the toxins out of it, because she heals Charles. He's better. They're, Betty's worried about Veronica. Veronica's like, I felt a little fluey after, but I'm fine now. And now Betty's gonna throw a convention for true crime fans to catch the TBK. And it was okay. Charles' idea. Great. That was a great summary. Couple things. Um, I The only thing I was annoyed with but also like totally understood they skip over the scene they don't show us the scene of veronica being a, di- a human dialysis machine and sucking the toxin out of him but she literally says when she felt his poison running through her blood so i think they like literally like somehow hooked up machinery to her i, I don't know how this works listen i don't know and i don't want to know um <laughs> yeah i'm glad we didn't see that but anyway uh do you believe that this has cured charles of being a serial killer is he a good guy now no i don't think it cured him of being a serial killer and i also don't think he was dying because he's evil i think he had some sort of infection autoimmune disease something that was impacting his blood mayhap even leukemia uh we don't know uh but apparently veronica is the cure to cancer who would have thunk it listen if you had told me in season one that this is where we would end up I would have never agreed to do a podcast about this yeah. show. Also, it turns out I lied. I forgot I combined those into one plot. So um, that, we only have one more. Last one. All right. Here it is. And Ju- you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jughead's Mind Palace. So somehow Pickens has discovered that Reggie is missing a memory about what Veronica's so secret goes, is. He goes, goes, how did he go into So his, he Reggie's goes mind? into Reggie's mind, which like makes sense that he can go into people's minds because he can control them. But I guess after Jughead has been in your mind, your brain like looks like Jughead's organizational system. So he was able to just like literally pick up the comic book and see the missing page. This makes no sense. Yeah. I also feel like maybe Jughead should have ripped the page out a little cleaner. So wasn't so obvious but maybe Jughead should have taken the whole book with him out of the brain that would have been bad he would have forgotten like a whole bunch more than just good why why do we need Reggie to remember things he's on the other team take all of them so he doesn't remember anything and he's a vegetable yeah Jughead's not that mean so um Pickens is like huh I I underestimated Jughead's powers so I'm gonna give okay none of this makes sense I'm gonna give Reggie a ventriloquist dummy he's gonna learn a a spell and he's going to teach Reggie a spell to throw his voice when did why did we need the ventriloquist dummy? so we didn't it's because use it again. they don't want jughead to know that they're there so they can be in a different room and still heckle him but he doesn't know where they're coming from so it confuses him I and understand they can slide the into his mind i get that i understand the spell why do we need a physical ventriloquist dummy we didn't I'm use ass- it i'm assuming that it's part of the magic okay anyway so they're like we're gonna go to jughead's show and we're gonna like sneak into his mind so a jughead show uh where he's now reading people's minds just kind of straight up being like you went you were married here colorado i don't know whatever colorado um, <laughs> reggie throws his voice and starts heckling him which distracts jughead if i was jughead i'd be like wait a second we just did this move we just did this move of distracting <laughs> reggie well i think that's what he realizes and that's why he's like i've got to get out of here yeah but it doesn't work uh Percival's in his mind but his mind is like locked and it's got he's like got a, big a lock 
behind. Locked door, baby. It says no girls allowed or Pickenses. Yeah, no one allowed. I That means you, Pickens. Yeah, but there's like pictures on the door of like people he loves and stuff. And I really thought for a moment, I thought this was going to go in a different direction. I thought Pickens was going to somehow disguise himself to look like FP and we were going to have a skeet a uh, little little tiny cameo, but we didn't. No, because they will never give us what we want. Nope. So instead, uh, Reggie dug up the time capsule, got Jughead's beanie, and Pickens puts the beanie on along with a... A serpent jacket? jacket. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I need to look like something Jughead would welcome into his mind. So I guess he's doing Jughead cosplay. I really hope they bring in um, Dylan Sprouse to play like blonde Jughead because that would make me happy. That would be really cool. I don't I- think they will. I don't think they will, but it would be cool. I do wonder whether or not this thing that just happened will bring the beanie back. We're like, well, are we going to see Jughead present day wearing a beanie at any point? I don't know. I was about to say something, but I don't even know what I was going to say because I have no idea. Like, well, maybe. Yeah. But what would it mean? Anyway, Pickens can't get into his mind, so on his next act, he, yeah, puts on the outfit, goes in, and this time he does get in, and he was, like, talking some mad game at the beginning of the episode, being like, I'm gonna go in there, and I'm gonna mess him up, and I thought he literally was gonna, like, turn him into a vegetable, but instead, what he did was he just went in, opened the door to his mind, and then, like, put a newspaper, in there, basically put a door stop in, so the door won't close, which, so I guess... So he can hear everyone's every thought all of the time. Yes, which is making Jughead rightfully be like, like wow that's rough edward cullen baby yeah yep so um we've just done the twilight full circle anyway uh so Joyhead is at pops and he can still hear the noise so um i don't know why he can't go into his own mind and like remove the doorstop i don't really know why that doesn't work like you would think you could do that you would think but i think someone would have to ask him hey Joyhead, can you go into your own mind and then he would read a book and then he'd be like oh hey i can yeah, but anyway, so this part I did think was cool, which is why I put it at the end of the episode. Um, Tabitha comes home to find a note from Jughead that he's gone somewhere quiet and remote, which is the bunker. He's in the bunker yeah, again. Yeah, I thought Betty was going to end up in the bunker, but it's Jughead again, and he can hear, like, this is, like, he can hear the seam between Riverdale and Rivervale, because he can hear the typewriter. I think so, yeah. He hears the typewriter, and we hear, it just says man's voice and woman's voice. I was going to write down a lot of the things they were saying, but it was really difficult to understand them. But there were base. it sounded like a man and a woman talking about, like, ideas, right? Because they're writing mm-hmm. the story of Riverdale. And they're like, you know... But aren't they writing River Vale and Riverdale is supposed to be doing its yeah, own thing? this was confusing. And I'm not 100% sure if I heard them say Riverdale or River Vale. Um, but it's definitely other Jughead and Ethel. Yeah. And um, there, I did catch one line, which is, they say, their love is what will bring Riverdale back together. Don't know whose love that's referring to. I have to imagine it's betty and jughead yeah but i just really feel like betty is like so not anywhere close to that and we've kind of like completely not spent any more time with jughead even thinking that like we didn't even get a small hint of like there wasn't even a picture of betty on jughead's like door with tabitha and skeet ulrich yeah but also like i just don't think stuff is going to be happening as soon as you think it's going to happen yeah that's probably true anyway they're going to waste a bunch of time building up bughead again yeah you know while there are a bunch of small 
small subplots in this show. We still kind of only have like the one main big bad right now. Like most of the other seasons, it's kind of been like two big plots happening simultaneously. But this one, it's basically just like Riverdale versus Pickens. That's pretty much it. Do you like that or not? I think I like it. I think I prefer this rather than like, like I said, season four, which was like, I liked the fact that we were doing the preppy thing. I didn't like the fact that there was also the like serial killer question mark who was like recording all the houses. Like I thought we were doing too many things. Well, we, I still don't. Did they ever actually tell us why the houses were getting recorded? It was just Jellybean being creepy. Yeah, that's annoying. She didn't really have a reason. I bet she had the serial killer gene too. But she's gone now. Yeah. I don't know where she went. She went with FP to be with her mom yeah in um toledo let's go with that i think yeah i don't even know if they took her to be with the mom the mom like left to protect her but then i think i'm assuming they went back there yeah um so you know every single time we see charles in an episode i always think it's gonna be the last like wow didn't think we were gonna see charles again so was that matt elrod yeah that was matt elrod it didn't look like him anymore by the way connection that little rum wars uh line I sang that was from the Rice Wars song from the same season that Matt Elrod was on. Connections. Yeah, I haven't seen Redemption Island. Okay. And I Um, probably never will. So Blue Collar, in addition to the description I gave you earlier, was a 1978 movie directed by Paul Schrader. Uh, It says, when three workers try to steal from the local union, they instead discover corruption and decide to use this information for blackmail. Not stealing from the union. Yeah, this seems like the opposite of what's happening in the Episode, but then they but find okay. out that the union is evil. Yeah, maybe. That's well, kind of what happened last Archie. episode. They thought unions were evil, but then now... Well, they, they were, really like, wish- all hyped to be in the union, and they were like, boo, union fees. And now they're like, wait a second, we have no money. It's wild how it, it turns out. And, I mean, union dues are, like, not that much of your paycheck. Yeah, it kind of depends. The teacher's union fees are really annoying, but... Like, it still sucks. Like, I'm never happy to give up my money. Yeah. But right now, my union's actually fighting for me to get a living wage, so... So there you go. There you go. That's right. We voted on... We're voting on a strike right now. I was... I have... I gladly voted yes. Solidarity. Nice. Solidarity, sister. Um, who is the most normal person of the week? Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, indeed. Moose. You know what? It was Moose. Yeah, that was not even <laughs> difficult. It was definitely Moose. <laughs> yep. Moose. Moose Mason, I think. Yeah, Moose was just like Kevin. It's like, why are, you why are you going through this legal battle? No, because Moose what, is like. What is the reason? Moose is like Kevin. We're both hot. We're both single. Why do we need a baby right now? <laughs> He's like, You've why got can't this we just hook awesome up? apartment. Can't we just hook up and do some, you know, manual labor together? Like that would be fun. Why don't we just do that? So literally, the first scene Ugh. of this episode, they show all the like railroad workers, and I'm looking at this group, being like, I think that might be Moose in the background, but it doesn't look like him. And then later on, there was a scene of Moose, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess it was. I guess it was him. Didn't listen. I didn't clock it. I don't know. He has like a beard now. Anyway, so um, is that it? Is that all we do? Um, are there, there any there close but no cigars? Not that I caught. Do we have any uh, feedback? Um, our feedback is awesome job, you two, sent Aww, in by me. That so was me. nice. <laughs> okay, well then I think that's it. That's all. I think that's all. Hey, people, give us some feedback. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, this episode, if this episode doesn't convince you to give feedback, I don't know what will. I mean, listen, we are in the mines right now. We are struggling. Percival Pickens' ancestor is trying to make us feel like we're not even human and we don't deserve to live. But your feedback, your five-star ratings and reviews will bring us back to life and allow us to uh, unionize in solidarity forever. I didn't I didn't mention it before, but thank you to the, like, five different people who tagged us in the Riverdale is canceled in season seven or after season seven like tweets that were happening a couple weeks ago thank you for that the number of dms messages everything the number of people who are like wow i'm so happy for you this was the first the first thing i thought i was i was so happy for you we appreciate you (laughs) i know i got so many that were like look kirsten's dreams came true Listen, I've been manifesting and it tur- it's starting to look like things are working out. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week for episode 17. Until then, you can follow me online at Freyo Mary on every platform. And if you're interested, you can check out my newest thing, which is over on the Post Show Recaps Network. Uh, I am joined over there uh, doing the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> recap it's after or, midnight forgot, let her live i forgot what the show is called yep um i don't know what the show is called the umbrella academy like i don't the know umbrella. what our podcast show is called the show is called the umbrella academy. i assume it's gonna say post show recap it's probably gonna say something like that um uh yeah so uh that'll be fun where season three is coming out pretty soon so we just did a kickoff show and then we are recapping season one and season two real quick um and then going into season three so that over there is uh me and marissa garza so feel free to check that out we're all real excited about season three that's it's coming out soon so great stuff great stuff kirsten what are you up to I am weekly recapping BoJack Horseman with Lindsay Wilson over at BoJack Horse Pod, uh, which is very fun. And I am on Mess Magnets talking about pop culture, celebrity gossip, and trending topics with Sasha Joseph. So deeply appreciate if you check that one out. And you can follow me on every platform at Kirsten Said What, including twitch.tv slash Kirsten Said What. Woo! Woo! This was fun. It's always All fun. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye!